And welcome to BSD Talk number 53. It's Wednesday, July 12, 2006. I just have an interview for you today, so we'll go right to it. Today on BSD Talk, we're speaking with Matthew Dillon from the Dragonfly BSD Project. So I want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you very much, Will. And the reason I wanted to speak with you was the upcoming 1.6 release. And perhaps you could start by describing the release numbers and how those work. We're kind of using, uh, I'm not sure if exactly equivalent to the original Linux release numbering, but it's pretty close. We're using even numbers for releases and odd numbers for development. So the last release was 1.4. The current development tree is 1.5, and it will branch into 1.6 release, and then the new development tree will become 1.7. So for people who are running you know, roughly stable systems, the assumption is that they've been sticking to 1.4 and then waiting for the 1.6 release. Yeah. We do, of course, uh, commit to the 1.4 branch when there are major bug fixes. But usually, once we get about halfway through a development cycle, the changes get too extensive to really be able to, to MFC them. But you know, then they wind up in the next release, and that's that's how it's worked, and it's, that's how it's worked this time too. There have been a substantial number of bug fixes that we simply couldn't bring into 1.4 uh, due to their complexity, which will be in 1.6. So once 1.6 comes out, then there won't be security updates, at least by your team, for 1.4. Um, you know, that's really. It really depends on the developer's time availability. We don't have a whole lot of developers. It's not for lack of of wanting to bring them, but yeah, generally speaking, uh, we think people using Dragonfly really have to upgrade to whatever the latest release is. And we we actually spend a, a lot of effort trying to ensure that the releases are forwards compatible. So for those moving up to 1.6, what can they be looking forward to? A whole ton of stuff. First of all, you could consider this mostly a bug fix release. There have just been a ton of bug fixes, especially to the file system code. And in addition to the bug fixes, we've also made significant progress in the infrastructure work. Um, The buffer cache is now, the buffer cache is split into what's called a buffer and what's called a, a BIO, which is the actual entity that represents an IO. And uh, we've done that separation, uh, similar to what FreeBSD did about a year ago. And we've also completely ripped out the block numbering scheme in the buffer cache, and we now just use a straight 64-bit byte offset, which simplifies a lot of things. And uh, we've uh, pushed the big giant lock in uh, quite a ways, so most of the file descriptor routines are now MP-safe and will run as such. Um, But mostly it's been bug fixes. A uh, new random number generator, uh, major clo- code cleanups, you know, new driver support, tons of fixes to soft updates. I'm going through the list here as I as I tell you. Well, the list is like two or three hundred entries long, so I won't <laughs> I won't repeat them all. Bunch of malloc improvements, fixes to NFS, 
know, things like that. Fixes to the floating point subsystem, fixes to threading. How long ago was the 1.4 release? Um, we usually try and uh, get a release out once every six months. So the 1.4 release was basically January. And 1.6 is, well, July. And uh, 1.8 will probably be uh, end of this year or, or early next year. All right. So, uh, you know, it's a terrible thing to do, to bring up old wishes. Um, but you did have a, a document a while ago, I think it was December of 2005, where you had plans for the 1.5. Oh, yeah. Um, well, those, yeah, those really got pushed back. Some of those, you know, like the ZFS file system from Sun Microsystems, uh, stuff like that. Maybe you could talk about uh, some of the things that were pushed back and maybe why well, some of that happened. Well, the three big-ticket items that we consider really big-ticket items that we want to get into Dragonfly. Userland VFS, which would be an, uh, an API to Userland to allow a file system to run as a user process. A ZFS, which kind of needs the Userland VFS to, to be able to do the port. Um, trying to port ZFS directly into the kernel would be fairly difficult. Um, and then and then everything related to clustering, which is kind of the big enchilada. And, uh, yeah, originally when I started Dragonfly, I didn't think it would take this long to be able to get to the point where we could actually start integrating um, the clustering code in. Um, but it's turned out that there's just been a whole lot of infrastructure work that has had to, been, uh, to be done in the Dragonfly kernel to even come close to supporting uh, something like the, the clustering. And I'll give you one example uh, to kind of show you how difficult this is. To do the clustering properly, uh, we need to be able to, for example, uh, share, and, uh, share a file between two machines. But it's not quite that simple. It's not as simple as NFS. Uh, there has to be complete 100% cache coherency uh, between an open file that's being read and written on one physical machine and an open file that's being read and written on another physical machine. Because a single program in, in a clustered system, a single program that's threaded might have a thread running on one machine and another thread running on another machine, and we want that to be transparent. Now, in order to do that, we need a cache coherency management system, which basically uh, comes down to dealing with range locks, but range locks in a situation very similar to what you have when you have an SMP system and you have the cache coherency between the CPU memory caches, that is in hardware. We have to do something very similar in software to really make the, the type of clustering we want uh, work. And that creates a whole chain of issues. For example, traditionally a BSD system will lock a vNode exclusively for a write operation. Well, you can't lock in a vNode exclusively and a clustered system doesn't work. You have to lock the entire range of the file. It kind of defeats the idea of having you know, shared caches and parallel operation and all of that. So all the, the vNode locks have to be converted from a, a single global shared or exclusive lock per file to really a range lock per file. And you know, it just creates a whole chain of, of infrastructure changes that are required. And I've been slogging through it, basically, and that's where we are. I guess it's now time to ask you to look at a crystal ball again. Uh, yes. Are, are things, <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think we're going to have either clustering or ZFS up by 1.8, which would be the end of this year. But I think there's a very good chance that uh, we'll have either ZFS or clustering, but probably not both, 
by July next year. That is one year uh, from now. Uh, but it really depends on how well I'm able to make progress on this core infrastructure that's required to support these mechanisms. What about AMD64 support? Uh, it's not on the table at the moment, at least not uh, not for me. I, I can only do one thing at a time. If another developer wants to do an AMD64 port, um, they're certainly you know welcome to, and, and I will definitely support that. Did I see something about a make world for AMD64 partially succeeding? Uh, that was basically make file support. It's not really any infrastructure, any actual code. Um, but it's certainly a, a prerequisite to doing any AMD64 work. And we are, aren't actually very far away from doing an AMD64 port, but you know it comes down to developer resources. And at the moment, I think there are only three people that are actually doing really heavy kernel work. And none of that right now is AMD64. I'm really focused on user land VFS and, and clustering. There looks like there was some noise around removing IPFW, the IP firewall. Uh, yeah, there's been talk about it. Um, I think it's it's doable. Uh, we definitely want to try and reduce the number of firewalls we've got in the system in order to be able to get the uh, big giant lock um, pushed through all the way through the networking system. Um, right now, um, MP safe support, well, MP support uh, within the system is kind of it's kind of spotty. It's we've got fairly good coverage of the networking subsystem, but there are pieces that aren't MP safe yet, and the uh, firewall is one of them. Um, there are a few things that have to be implemented in packet filter before we can remove IPFW, and that's basically why it's not going to be removed probably in an, at least for six months. Uh, for example, we want dummy net support in packet filter, uh, you know, pipes and rate limiting and that sort of thing, uh, before we remove IPFW. And when you talk about MP safe and uh, multiple processors, has there been some recent testing about how well Dragonfly scales? Well, probably not very well in an MP test. <laughs> um, basically, what it comes down to in the big giant lock work is that if you've got one place in a code path, like a recall or write call that requires the big giant lock, it will create cache contention and MP issues in an SMP system even if it only applies to a small portion of the code it's actually run in the kernel. And that's pretty much where we are. There's still some pieces in, in almost every system call that has, still have to be MP safe. Um, but our ability, or when, when we're able to remove them, that will allow the whole code path to be MP safe. Package source, another topic. Yes, um, actually you guys are... quite a success so far. Yeah, so that's been working out well for you, the it's importation? It's been working out pretty factors. well, yeah. Um, we're still, uh, I think our coverage is a few thousand packages at the moment that, that will compile and run on Dragonfly. Um, we've got a good chunk of, well, we've got X working. You know, We've got a good chunk of the X-based utilities and, and UIs working. There's still plenty of issues. Uh, but the nice thing about package source is that since it's effectively a, a, a multi-vendor project, a multi-operating system project. It's, and we have several developers that are, are package source committers as well. Uh, generally, when we're able to get a problem fixed, it's fixed permanently. And you know, it's pretty much the developers uh, that encounter these problems get the bug fixes in, and it cycles through, and it, you know, wind up in a quarterly package source distribution, and we're getting them fixed. As before, the installer is going to be through a live CD. 
It's always been through a live CD. And uh, any big changes or additional tools that are going to be going into the next live CD? Um, probably, well, we're going to include kernel source. You know, we're t- we try and keep the live CD as minimal as possible. Uh, we will include kernel source in the next live CD. We probably will not include an X environment, mainly because that the X support in package source is only just stabilized for Dragonfly, and it's probably, it's still a moving target. Um, but Hopefully, in the December release, in 1.8, we will uh, get some kind of uh, integrated UI support, not for the installer, but at least on the CD, so people can get Exo up and running uh, without having to access the Internet to download the packages. Great. Well, are there any other topics you wanted to talk about today? You know, the, the, the big thing for me, at least for the Dragonfly project, is the clustering support. And uh, it's still my goal, and I st- still think it's very achievable. Uh, even though it's been pushed back a couple of times. Um, we've made huge progress in the kernel. I think the 1.6 release, this, the release that we're going to do in a week, is probably the most stable release we've ever had. And at this point, I would consider it uh, far more stable than any of the FreeBSD 4.x releases, which are kind of the benchmark for stability uh, in the past. So I'm really happy about you know the way the kernel is progressing, especially on the stability front. That's that's been a very important feature uh, for me in doing all of this MP work and you know all the clustering work and everything else we're trying to do to be able to keep the kernel stable while we're doing it. And I think we've succeeded. Yeah, and I think that you know a lot of the concepts you guys are attempting really provide for some uh, wonderful proving ground. You know, there's there's no better way to discuss a theory than to actually try and implement that's, it. So. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, we've certainly proved the viability of many of the networking mechanisms that we've implemented. Um, the parallel route table works fine. The threaded uh, networking stacks, they work pretty well. Um, you know, it's not, for performance testing-wise, they probably won't test out very well simply because the MP lock has not been completely removed from them. But we have been able to test certain code paths. Um, for example, you know, thread switch times are under a microsecond. Interprocessor uh, messaging is less than a microsecond, and it can be batched. And in batch mode, you'd have a one microsecond delay for the first message and basically just you know, 10, 15 nanoseconds for each successive message that's handled in batch. And those are you know, very important concepts to be able to prove out because they allow the kernel to be coded in a much more modular fashion and much more debuggable and understandable fashion. Yeah, would you consider yourself a hybrid micro-monolithic kernel, or how would you describe your kernel design? Um, well, I'm not, I'm not really in either camp. I support the idea of having a modular kernel, but at the same time, I recognize that certain large infrastructure pieces of the kernel really have to be monolithic in order to get uh, any real performance out of them. You know, you have to have an infrastructure that you can depend on, and that really means monolithic. And in order to have stability, you really need to have something that's integrated. Uh, It doesn't have to be integrated in a monolithic fashion, but it certainly has to be integrated in terms of all the codes in one place, and you're not, you know, trying to well, you know, take a take a Windows box, for example. You've got drivers provided by 50,000 different vendors, and it's kind of hit or miss whether they'll work or not with any given version of Windows. 
So you know there, there are different levels of of, of of you know being monolithic or, or modular, and I'm kind of in the middle ground. Thank you very much for speaking with me today, and I want to wish you luck on the 1.6 release, and I look forward to trying it out. Sure, well, thanks a lot, Will. And uh, maybe we'll catch up with you again, um, maybe after ZFS or uh, well for 1.8, and I don't know, you know, maybe maybe we'll have a 1.10, or maybe it will become 2.0. It really depends whether. Uh, we're able to get userland VFS in, or uh, or some you know level of the clustering in. So cross your fingers. <laughs> All right, great. Thank you. Great. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. Or if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's b-i-t-g-e-i-s-t at yahoo.com. This has been BST Talk number 53. Thank you for listening.